0: Hello and welcome to the Station Tapes on 21Soul. I'm your host, Lewis Marks, and on this podcast, I share intimate interviews with some of the best musicians in the world. The last poets are considered to be the godfathers of hip-hop, bringing poetry onto the turbulent scene in the 1960s. For over 50 years, they have persevered, keeping their intent and their mission alive as they seek to enlighten all people about racism, social justice, and personal growth through poetry and music. Early this year, Umar bin Hassan, Abiyadun Oyewole, and Babadan Babatunde gathered at the Ropadope Room at the invitation of renowned bassist and producer Jamaladeen Takuma. It was there that they listened for the first time to the full album that they had worked on for years. It was an emotional and historic moment, all recorded on camera as part of the 21 Soul Video Series. Shortly afterward, I was able to reach out to each of The Last Poets to record a podcast, as I wanted to learn more about these unique and powerful men. It was very difficult to focus, as I was simply in awe of their power. And so, for the next four weeks, we will air each interview, beginning with The Last Poets and ending with Jamaluddin Takuma's comments on this epic production. First up, Abiyadun Oyewole. All right, welcome to another very special episode of The Station Tapes on 21Soul. I am speaking today with poet, teacher, and founding member of The Last Poets, Abiyadun Oyewole. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm very on this nice day. We have some civilized weather here in New York City for a change. When next week it was 5 degrees, now it's 60. So we're going through a real flip-flop of a Weather changes here.
0: <laughs> yeah, you have to check every day uh, to see what the temperature is to decide what to wear.
1: Right, exactly.
0: So, I want to thank yeah. you. It was a pleasure to meet you uh, at the Rope Dope Room uh, just over ten days ago. What uh, what a, what a right. special day that was! Uh, thank you for your time. Um, I want to kind of, you know, ask some questions that are. Uh, might seem like I don't I don't know much. It's not far from the truth, <laughs> but uh, you know I think a lot of people would want to understand what you do, what you have done, and are doing, uh, and just poetry in general. So if you could indulge me and you know, let me know, what does poetry mean to you?
1: Well, it's a it's a beautiful self-expression. I feel that kind of lets you know because. It's one avenue where you can express your feelings as well as your mind. And uh, you don't have the restrictions of all of the, I suppose, uh, rules and regulations of the formal writing. Uh, Poetry can be a little more jazzy. You can be a little bit more improvisational with poetry, Uh, but at the same time, you want to communicate. So I've, I've used poetry as a means of expressing what's in my heart and in my mind and to communicate with people some thoughts that they kind of, that really are necessary to share. Um, poetry has become the the mantle for us to express how we feel in this country under these circumstances, dealing with the oppression dealing with our particular situation here in America. It's been the avenue by which we've been able to vent and uh, kind of, um, I guess you could say scream in a civilized way about Mm -hmm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I see it as something that is very necessary because poetry doesn't have restrictions. And you can usually, if you know how to use the language you can be very, very profound with some actual images in poetry that um, you may not basically use in other forms of writing, but with poetry, you have the the leverage to say some things that could be very, very profound and at the same time, be artistic with it. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and when, was there a poet that inspired you uh, early on
1: Well, I've always been inspired by Langston Hughes. I thought that he was right on the pulse of the people. I've always appreciated his work. I've always appreciated Gwendolyn Brooks. And then there were a number of poets in the Black Power Movement that had really caught my attention. Amiri Baraka was one, Mm -hmm. as well as um, Mari Evans. uh, She was another. There were quite a number of poets who had sounded off who had said some things that really made me pay attention. And um, I admired their work. I admired their ability to galvanize the folks with their words. And I, I wanted to have an opportunity to do the same if I could. So, but Langston Hughes has to be at the top of the list because he was always on the, right or seemingly on the pulse of the people he was talking about. He was a Harlem resident. And he spoke and reflected the feelings of the Harlem Nights. And um, and he also spoke about the history of African-American people in ways that, you know, you didn't have to read an entire book to kind of get a feel for where we were coming from and who we were as a people, because unfortunately the the Board of Education doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot to gain from hearing Langston Hughes, because he was very much, uh, um, I say, a, a truth barrier, a, a truth baron. He mm-hmm. he gave you information about what was happening with with us as a people, and he praised us. He put us on a on a pedestal that you wouldn't normally see, and um, I admired that, and I admired the fact that he always uh, dealt with the culture of the people he, he was talking about. And he wasn't trying to be like somebody else, you know. I appreciated uh, William Shakespeare. I appreciated uh, uh, um, uh, Robert Frost. I mean, there Henry David Thoreau. I mean, there are quite a number of people who have laced the words together in such a way that have made me really understand where they were coming from. And anytime, uh, I mean, I've, I've just I've learned a great deal, like Khalil Gibran who did the mm-hmm. prophet was very yeah. important to me as well because he has a wonderful way of explaining some basic things that we deal with every day, like children and, and marriage and love and, and so forth. So there's, there's a great deal to gain from just delving into the world of poetry.
0: Mm-hmm. Agreed. Is there a difference in, in when you're writing, if you're thinking about whether it's to be a written word or a spoken word?
1: Well, to me, uh, it's not much difference because I've been able, I've been blessed to have the ability to recite where quite a few people who don't recite, I don't see any, my my writing doesn't change because all the stuff that I have written, I can recite and I don't mind reciting um, I don't have a schizophrenic way of writing for just writing's sake, and then something to uh, put on on blast. I, I, whatever I write, I can usually recite, and um, most of the time I do, if it if it's appealing to me at least, or to someone else. Um. So the main thing is, I I just want to be true to the concept of poetry because see, poetry is a fine art it's not just putting words down because you say yes because how you feel but there is a way to express those feelings so you have to you know employ some figurative language you know metaphors and similes and personifications and alliterations there are certain things that need to be employed and i get a real thrill out of doing that because it gives the whole concept of what you're saying more meaning more dimension and um if I'm writing it down, or uh, I, I would most likely be able to recite it as well. And I have never really separated the two.
0: Mm, interesting. I, I mean, you have such a powerful voice. Is, when, did, when did you realize the power of, the, of that? And, and well, my
1: it? mother knew that early on because she was my first vocal coach. And I, I didn't know about my voice. I just have a voice. I thank God I can talk. Uh, I didn't uh, I didn't know that I had anything special happening, but when I when I was ten years old, my mother had decided that I should do the Lord's Prayer in our church uh, for the Easter Sunday pageant, and so she had me go downstairs. I was raised in Queens, New York, and so when she put my name on the list to recite the Lord's Prayer for Easter Sunday. Uh, which I had nothing to do with. I didn't make that choice, she did. Mm-hmm. But when we got to my house in Queens, she told me to go downstairs in the basement and recite the Lord's Prayer. And she wanted to hear me upstairs in the kitchen. So wow. for a brief moment, I thought my mother was crazy because how, how in the world could you hear me do a prayer in the basement of our house and you're gonna be up in the kitchen? I mean, unless I, unless I yell the prayer. So I started so I'm trying to figure out how can she hear this prayer, and I started to yell the lord's prayer, and she got angry and ran downstairs and told me, "Don't you yell the prayer? you know are you crazy?" I said, "You put the air in your stomach and open up that mouth, and it will come out so she knew obviously that I had a big mouth, and uh i didn't I wasn't aware of any of that, but I practiced the Lord's prayer the way she instructed me to do so and then when Easter Sunday arrived the Reverend Wilson of our church uh, the pastor he was so happy to know that I was going to do the prayer and so he took the microphone from the pulpit and started to hand it to me and my mother got up real quickly and told everybody he does not need a mic (laughs) and so I uh, recited the prayer in church at Easter Sunday. And that was some 50 years ago, or 60 years ago, actually. And and the fact is that um, people remember that moment even today. I I ran into a young lady about five years ago who was not even born then. And she said her whole family talks about me all the time because they never heard anybody recite the Lord's Prayer the way I did. So, uh, obviously, It resonated and it stuck in a lot of people's minds. But I have my mother to thank for that. But I think that was the first time I ever really did anything on that level. Matter of fact, I know it was the first time. And I remember the incident. And then I never had an idea in my mind that I was gonna be running around the world running my mouth. But uh, obviously she set me up to do that. And so far, so good.
0: Beautiful, beautiful story. Um, I wanna... Um, jump ahead. Uh, there, I, I have another question about that, but I'm going to come back to it. I'd, I'd like to jump ahead because we met last week and um, we we played through the entire uh, record, transcending toxic yeah. times, which is due out this spring. Uh, you worked with uh, Umar and Baba, obviously, and and Jamaluddin Takuma on this record. Everyone was seemed so positive about this. What's, what's, um, I don't want to ask that. Um, What does this record mean to you? you
1: Well, you know what? I love the way Jamal mixed everything. I love, I love the pieces, all the moving parts that he put in, put in place to go to enhance what we did. And I love his bass playing. I think it complements everything that we did did very, very well. Um, You know, it's like, uh, it's it, the way that it was put together to me just really came across like it had an impact um, and and it was we've done a lot of recordings and I, I record all the time I, I do a lot of recording on my own actually mm-hmm. and um, but I'm not always I'm moved by much of what I do but that really moved me especially because uh, it, it was just done. I just thought it was really put together with some sensitivity and some understanding as to what we are trying to say as a as a group, as the last poets. I think that was. I think that he really captured the essence of what the last poets are all about in that particular CD. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think this is a perfect time because we're celebrating our 50th year. And I really don't see anything that touches on representing our power as, a, as poets on this planet better than that particular CD at this time. It, it makes a strong statement and it's put together in a way that I think everyone is going to be able to appreciate it. Uh, and I'm, and I'm, I really have Jamal and Dean to thank for because you could tell he really did give us some time and love. And that's mm-hmm. quite apparent from what I was listening to. Of course, there was one particular piece that moved me beyond everything else because my lady was alive when I had written a piece mm-hmm. dedicated to her called, I Don't Know What I Do Without You. Mm-hmm. And um, and she's no longer with me now. She died of a heart attack a, a few years ago. But the mm-hmm. fact is that um, when I heard that piece, because I've, I've got that same that same poem I've done as a song and it's good, but it didn't have the same impact that it had when I heard it done as a poem. And it, with, with this guy from Austria playing viola behind it, I mean, it just knocked me out. And I, I, was, I was in uncontrollable, t- uncontrollable tears because of the impact that mm-hmm. the whole mix had on me and the way that it was just delivered. So I really appreciate the sensitivity by which Jamal Antine went about putting all those pieces together. I just think he did a phenomenal job.
0: He seems to know, you know, when when to kind of get into the mix and and when to stay out of the way.
1: Yes, 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 he does. I mean, and I think you have to really kind of be like a a chemist or something to understand that because <laughs> you know, some people really don't know how to really do that. That's 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 some basic navigation that takes a certain kind of ear and a certain kind of uh, uh, sensitivity that that he's that he's got. And I, I've always liked him as a person. I mean, he's a great great human being, and he's turned me on to the advantages of shopping at a flea market. And <laughs> I enjoyed tra- traveling with him. But this is the first real production that we've ever done together on this level. And it is, as far as I'm concerned, he really captures who we are as a group and what we were trying to say.
0: It's beautiful. Yeah, he's, he's a real jazz player in that way as a producer. You know, he, he, he knows uh, not to solo too much. Um, what I really like about this record um, is that. You know we're in a, we're in an interesting time. You say fifty years of the last poets, and right. uh, I'm I'm almost old. I'm I'm old enough to remember some of some of the origins, uh, and and the the times in the '60s at least. Uh, but there is a whole a new generation, or even a couple generations removed at this point, of people who are uh, waking up. The term woke is is circulating, uh, right. and you know. Coming to certain realizations, but um, but what's great about this is it does. They don't have to go and study it in a book, or uh, you know, or or hear it as facts, or go back in history. They can listen to this record, and it's very relevant to today. It's very easy entry, if you will, if you will, you know. It's a it's a great starting point, and then they can really dig in. Um, you know, those those that once they're in, you know. I think people will find it enjoyable. How do you feel about everything that's happening today with with your arc of history? You know, all of the coming to light—the uh, Colin Kaepernick's, the Durey McKessens, the Sean Kings. Um, how how do how do you feel about it, and how does it compare to the past?
1: Well, you know, in many ways we're repeating the past, in many many ways because uh, we've always seemingly been on the protest line about something that's going on wrong in America. And um, and and this has been, it's been highlighted lately by the Trump circus because this guy has brought back a very, uh, he has opened up the gate for all the looting tunes in America to step forward. And he's, he's done a fabulous job of letting us know that racism is alive and well, and that a lot of stuff that folks were trying to Shove under the rug is very very clearly here and a lot of folks are still not happy with themselves and consequently humanity is taking a beating because of people with dollars who want to run things and be in charge and the the, the so-called little man is still getting stepped on and and that's that was happening back in the beginning of the last poets and it's happening right now uh 68 was a very pivotal year and 50 years later we've got uh, 2018 has been a very pivotal year so we are very much into the i think that we've been blessed to see 50 years span and to be on point and i do believe that this album is a testament to that it really does reflect exactly who we are who we've been and and and, and it also offers some possible solutions as to where we need to go and how we need to to uh, uh, actually remedy some of the major issues that we have in this country. But uh, there is still a great deal. We always talk about we've got so much more work to do. I think it's quite apparent that uh, when you look at the White House, you look at all of the madness that's existing in, in the government, there is quite a number of work. I mean, to think that you can have Somebody playing president who was never a president of anything before, and he's just taking total advantage of the situation to the point where he can use his powers to shut the government down and mm-hmm. cause unnecessary grief amongst people because of certain things that he wants. And then we have the parties blaming each other for this, when the fact is that there's this one guy who has the power of the pen to do this. And it's really a shame that, that the gun, the, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for folks to just have a civil war in America because it, I think it's appalling that this guy can actually cause so much pain and misfortune just because he's not getting his way about a certain border wall. When this, when America has always, to me, it's supposed to represent a country that's open arms, welcoming people, I mean, the whole country is full of immigrants. Everybody here, except for the Native Americans, comes yeah. from someplace else. And yet, now you wanna isolate us from everyone else and and, and, and uh, give people grief, because you say that terrorists are, come, terrorists are coming through and bad people are coming in the border and they shouldn't be here. I mean, uh, I think a lot of those bad people fly here and they have all kinds of passports and things. I mean, and I think, first of all, I think a lot of bad people are already here. When we hear of the, the shootings in Las Vegas and we hear of a kid going into a church and killing a bunch of folks and, and after this worshiping with them, we have uh, the people that in, up in Pennsylvania in the synagogue uh, being uh, shot dead because folks have issues with Jews. Those aren't folks that are coming in from Mexican border. Those yeah. are people who are right here. And so we have a whole Uh, a list of American terrorists that nobody ever pays attention to. And I mean, and, and if this character is talking about some outside force, like there's some kind of boogeyman knocking at the door, trying to get in. And the boogeyman is already here. And and we've been trying to deal with this character ever since we've been here. So the only, the only answer, if there was no group like the last poets to speak on the circumstances that we are facing, there would need to be a group like The Last Force, a group that could actually pull the covers off and let you see the truth for what it really is. And so that's one reason why I'm I'm very, I feel very honored and very blessed to be here, to be able to say the things that I say. And even though some people consider it kind of dangerous to speak my mind the way I do, because um, I mean, I've had folks say that, you know, the CAA got you on watch, I can't worry about that, being on watch by the CIA or the FBI, or anybody else. As long as I can speak my mind and my heart, I'm going to do that. And if somebody decides to put a pill in my, in my hot chocolate or to take me out, so be it. I'm not gonna go down, I'm not gonna live in a world of fear of what could happen to me because I'm gonna tell the truth as to how I see it and how I feel it. So this is what our poetry does and, it's as far as I'm concerned, it is a real reflection of what is going on in America today.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. So, my last question you know, there, there are, there, there's a lot of truth, uh, eloquently, poetically, and, and just straightforward truth. And there is also a lot of uplifting, uh, music and poetry on this album. And so I think that that's good for, for, for people to come in, listen to that, understand that truth, uh, ha- have a bit of a path towards positive and uplifting outcome. But I wanna ask you this one question and, and you can please decline if it's not appropriate, but in this struggle, which which mainly begins and, and I suspect is, is gonna end, uh, Positively, uh, but with African Americans, um, there are people who are not African Americans, myself included, um, who want to support and want to help. How? What can we do as individuals who are who are who are bearing you know, witness? You know, I'm
1: going to tell you something. I really, really feel very badly that we've got this big, big divide between African-Americans and other people. Because to be honest, I love my people. I'm an African-American man. I'm an African-American poet. My poetry, my songs, everything reflects all of that. I'm coming from an African-American place. There's no question about it. But I love people in general. There's only one race on this planet And it's the human race. And I see people from all walks of life who I find fascinating. I travel a great deal. And I look for angels everywhere I go. And you ain't gotta be a particular complexion to become an angel. All you gotta do is be a good human being. And I have run into some excellent, excellent human beings all across this planet. And I look forward to meeting more and and it's really very unfortunate that that this world has chopped itself up into places and pieces where mm-hmm. we got this side on this side and the, these people here don't feel. We are all human beings here and we're only given a little while to be here. I don't wanna ever dis, dis, discount anybody in anything I do. I'm gonna always be a champion for my particular people because I think that just makes a lot of sense. But yeah. at the same time, I'm gonna always be a champion for people in general because I happen to be a people person. I've never really separated myself from anybody. I have certain likes. I mean, I would prefer collard greens as opposed to broccoli. And that's just maybe, but the <laughs> but the truth is, there's a cultural difference. But it doesn't mean that I don't like broccoli. It's just that I have preferences in like in in in, in my world or the things that that um, some black folks have produced that I appreciate. Uh, but just because I like to watch uh, LeBron James, don't think I don't, don't appreciate, uh, I didn't appreciate watching Larry Bird. I mean, it, it depends upon, you know, just be talented, be be good, be sharp, be straight. I mean, like for example, I watch a lot of tennis. I, I think that Roger Federer is one of the most classiest tennis players I've ever seen. I love to watch this guy play. And I mean, so there, there are certain things that exist outside of my race that I, will, that I will champion and I will cheer because it brings me joy to see that artistry. And it doesn't matter what color. If you're an, if you're an artist, if you have talent, if you have some truth that you can put on display and I can witness it, I'm going to give you credit because I think that deserves credit. And I'm not gonna say, oh, well, I can't really cheer because that's a white guy or a white girl. No, 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 this person can get it done. And I appreciate people who can get it. I appreciate people being people, being human and sharing their humanity, no matter what their race. And that's that's just my spirit.
0: I think what you're saying is that, that you know, ignore division. Be, I mean, division is a tool of, 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 a, of, a, of a system, right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, matter of fact, um, uh, Sam Greenlee, a guy that wrote a book called The Spook Set by the Door, he, he and I had a conversation at Howard University about 30 years ago, and he said, Dune, he says, I know you spend a lot of time talking to young people, he says, "Do me a favor and tell the young people to stop saying that the white man divides and conquers. He doesn't do that. He conquers the divided." And that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense to me because if we're if we're together, if 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 I'm if you and I are friends, who can come in between us? Somebody comes in and says, "You know what? I'll be doing Is a, is a black guy and you're a white guy. You guys mm-hmm. can't really be together and be seen together." I mean if we're I'm friends, put a wall up right
0: here yeah <laughs>
1: yeah I mean we we just kill that because yeah. uh we, we we've already made a commitment to each other, and we're not going to be separated because of some a uh, hearsay, but you do have people who force who fall for that stuff and who are who are prey to that, and consequently that's what Trump plays with donald trump has has created this whole divisionary tactic of fear, and he's got he's got folks are going after each other because for some reason it works for him and his administration and Mm -hmm. they're allowing this to happen. When Barack Obama, when he was there, I think it was quite clear, he was a president for all the people. He didn't didn't particularly single out any particular group of folks. Uh, I don't think any black group got a stimulus package, but quite a few organizations in the Wall Street and the car industry got serious stimulus packages because they were in need of some financial support. Mm-hmm. So we, we need to recognize that we're all human beings here. There's one race, and it's called the human race. And we're only here for, I don't know how many years they give us now on planet Earth. But why live it in a divisionary way? Why mm-hmm. cut off your right arm because, because it's a different color than your left? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, to me. It just doesn't make sense. I wanna be happy. I wanna be as as joyful and and enjoy life as much as possible. And I can't always say who's gonna bring me that joy. It's gonna come from different angles. I'm open. I'm always gonna remain open for the loveliness of this life as much as I can receive it. That's exactly what I wanna do.
0: Beautiful. I want to thank you so much for spending time, uh, for for trusting us with, with your, your art. I think people are going to truly enjoy uh, the album, Transcending Toxic Times, coming out this spring. Uh, and, and just thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you, too. And thank you for taking on this assignment. And thank you for revitalizing one of my favorite athletes of all time, Muhammad Ali with the title of your, your label because Roper dope was his, his creation and it was a fabulous creation because who in the world would have thought that he had a plan to knock out the giant the way he did and it was all called Roper dope <laughs> all right. All right. So thank you. Thank you very much and you have a great day.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you. I can say that I'm experiencing both awe and humility after listening to the booming voice of Abiyadun Oyewole and his view on the world, the struggle, and the importance of this new album from The Last Poets, Transcending Toxic Times. Thank you all for tuning in to The Station Tapes. If you like what we do, please subscribe on Mixcloud at 21Soul. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google, and wherever else pods are cast. Our video interview series is available on YouTube at Ropeadope 99 and you can find out more about the artists we speak with at ropeadopecom Thanks to the 21 Soul team, Nick Perry and Steven Jashefsky on production, Larry Yetman on video, and the great Fabian Brown on the creativity and positive energy tip. Our theme song is from a Red Hook Soul by saxophonist Michael Blake. You can find out more about Michael Blake at michaelblake.com bandcamp.com or on your favorite streaming service. Finally, thanks to all of you who keep the flame burning for independent quality music, to the musicians who pour their creativity into the world, and to those of you who are taking the time to listen. We hope you enjoy the show.